Welcome to episode nine. In this one, I want to talk about emotional abuse, um, what it is and the tools the abuser uses to tie you up in their invisible chains. And also about the A to Z of emotional abuse and uh, use some of the terms or words that you might hear on this journey. Welcome to the Mind Fuckery podcast. I'm your host, Elizabeth, author of Finding Lily and the A to Z of Emotional Abuse. I'm here to remind you that love should be unconditional. Divorcing emotionally is life-changing and that you have a duty of care to yourself. Each week, I will discuss some of the terms you may hear along this journey and I will help you understand and process what's happening. I will help you find the best habits as you start to take back the control of your own life and learn the tools to heal on a deeper level, becoming the best version of yourself. Unless you're a survivor of emotional abuse, you have no idea what it's like to have conversations in your head with a person you're no longer in contact with. This was how I used to open my YouTube videos in about, I think it was early 2019. Emotional abuse is insidious. Unlike physical abuse, the damage caused puts you in a state of confusion. It's another thing that I used to quote, Chinese water torture. You have no idea what's going on. It happens very slowly and it turns you insane. And this all started with my own healing journey, but I hadn't realised how deep it went as I started the recovery. I know the damage emotional abuse does and I know what it, you know, the damage it leaves in your life, physically, mentally, emotionally, spiritually. But one thing people don't talk about is also financially. A lot of people coming out of these relationships are financially broken as well. And there is a reason, a part of that coercive control if they can financially break you and you're dependent on them, you can't move away from them. And the relationship that woke me up to this broke down in 2016, four short years after meeting this person. But the damage was so deep. And one October morning, I got a message from him saying he was driving over and reminiscing about all the good times we had together. So I can't remember whether we spoke or whether I messaged him back. I was actually supposed to be meeting some friends for lunch and I rearranged it because he had a meeting and we met for coffee, came round for coffee. And I remember sitting there with a coffee in my hand and the sun was shining through the lounge window. And I remember saying, I don't ever want anyone to go through what I've been through. And this is six short weeks. I actually thought that I was on my way to recovery. I had absolutely no idea that that was not even the beginning of the recovery. It wasn't until a lot later that I realized that I couldn't actually stop people going through this. And this is where the magic happens. This dark night of the soul is where the healing happens, acknowledging what's going on. And a lot of the stuff that I'm starting to move into is like, it stops here. So helping people understand the abuse that happened, where it comes from, how they've ended up in these sort of relationships, the abuse that happened or the trauma that happened in childhood that experiences them or opens up them to being in this relationship or uh, ones like it. And if we can stop that happening in the first place, stop our children experiencing this form of trauma, then we are starting to move forward because they won't then be re-experiencing it as an adult. So on this October morning, here I was thinking, you know, I can help all these people. I can, I've got this knowledge and I had no idea 
that it was the start of my journey. You know, I was asking, as I said at the beginning, if you've been, if you've never experienced emotional abuse, you don't know what it's like to have conversations in your head with someone who you're no longer in contact with. You know, this is what happened to me. I kept asking, you know, what ifs and if onlys and maybes. What if I hadn't said or what if I hadn't done? Maybe if I'd done something differently. And I just kept going over and over the relationship. And this is where the trauma bonding comes in. And these are some of the words that you you use. I, depending where you are on your journey, you might be completely up on all of the terms. If you're new, these some of these things are, you know, it's like learning a foreign language. And that's how I found it. I found it, you know, I thought it was helpful. These were things that's like, what is that? And I'd rush off and then have to go and look it up. And um, that's why I wrote the book, The A to Z of Emotional Abuse, so that it was something you could pick up and look at and go, oh, coercive control. Oh, okay, that's what it is. Yeah, I've had that. What's trauma bonding? And it explains it, or you can read it, you know, front to back. There's so many different ways of using it. And obviously the tools in the back are there to help you. So I say, obviously, if you haven't got a copy of it, you don't know what I'm talking about. In the back, I've put some tools to help with your recovery. But this is what happened to me. This is how it happened to me. I I went through this very short relationship. Um, It was a whirlwind. I went through the the cycle of abuse, um, which had no idea what it was. So it's a pattern of behavior where one person uses all sorts of manipulation tactics to gain power over another person. Unlike physical abuse, emotional abuse goes unnoticed. It's not until the majority of people come out of these relationships that they realize that they're in this state of confusion, that they realize that something was going on. And then they might trip over words like narcissism, narcissistic abuse, you know, um, sociopath. And you think, well, I've heard that, you know, narcissism is is a, around a lot more. It's more common. It's very hard to claim that someone's a narcissist. They might have narcissistic traits. They might be higher up on the narcissistic spectrum. But unless you can get them to go and get a um, diagnosis, you couldn't take that information you know, through the divorce process or um, to help people understand because you can't claim somebody is something unless you know for definite that they are. So the abuser used tactics to trap you and to gain power and control over you. And this is what they do in the cycle of abuse. You know, I, as I said, I discovered all these different terms. And one of the early ones, and this is where the the, the name of the podcast comes from, was mindfuckery. I was watching this woman use this word and I was like, whoa and she was describing her ex-husband and what he'd done this time and how it was mindfuckery and and I was actually getting ready to go out and meet my ex this was a few months later so I heard this word mindfuckery and she was going on about her ex-husband or partner and what he'd been up to and and I'd been talking to my counsellor and she felt it would be really good to get closure from the relationship but part of me was in this discussion with my ex-husband as to if we wanted to fix the relationship what it would be now I can't remember because it's quite a long time ago exactly the conversation I had with my counsellor as to but we had discussed you know I was going to meet him and then during this meeting or before this meeting, it was like, I got a message, I'm really tired, I'm not feeling very well, I want to rearrange. And I'm like, this is really important. I need this closure. I need to get this. Um, I don't even know that we were talking about closure because I remember there had to be, there was some sort of list that we were supposed to take. And I can't remember whether I didn't, I had it on my phone 
Um, I can't remember now. Uh, anyway, it wasn't, It you know, it was a real mess, the whole thing that evening. Uh, I didn't get the closure. You're never going to get closure from um, somebody who's higher up on the spectrum. But what happened was, as I moved forward and I started to get my life back together, I remember there were times that we met up. So when I had to move out of the house that I had at the time, he actually came round and I felt nothing. But then again, it started after that. There's these connections. They're like tendrils that, that delve in deep, dig in deep. And it was maybe three years after that, I think, that I started to want to share some of this information. I recovered to a certain point. And it was the A to Z that sort of came from this moment. I started looking at some of the words that I hadn't understood and, and recording little videos for YouTube. And then I started putting some information out and on my Instagram, my publisher of Finding Lily actually reached out and said, I hope this is your next book. And, um, and that's really how it came about, the A to Z of emotional abuse. So my focus and my energy changed towards that. All the time I was writing it, I was actually going through the divorce process, or I think I'd written a great big chunk of it. And then I went through the divorce process, and which I found very triggering. Again, so there was like another layer to work through. So this cycle of abuse is one of the terms uh, made up of three elements, idealization, devaluation, and discard. And each of those is carried out for power and control. And then I started to look at the chaos and destruction that's left at the end of these relationships. The abuser just walks away and they don't look back. They leave, usually leave you to pick up the pieces. Not only that, probably clear up all the messes, including financial. They probably leave all their uh, belongings with you. I know quite a few people that have had to do this and they move on. They, they've usually got a new form of supply securely in place. If they haven't, they've probably got supply from different levels and the supply will also come from the breakup of the relationship. And you're, you, you're left like, your head's like swimming. It's that cognitive dissonance, another word that you might recognize. And you're left having these conversations with them. They're no longer there. And you're going over all the things that happened, didn't happen, what you said, what you didn't say. And they sucked the soul out of you. This is one thing I remember so clearly was looking in the mirror and I did not recognize myself. I did not know who this person was staring back. It was as if there was nobody behind my eyes. Literally, my soul was sucked out. I would keep, I, I used to uh, talk about being a shallow of my former self. And I literally, there was nothing there. So the idealization is the, the stage and it's used right the way through the relationship. It isn't just at the beginning, but that is, the, a lot of the work is done at the idealization stage at the beginning of the relationship where they're securing you in they you know you have this amazing time with them they they see you on a level that that nobody else sees you and they show you with gifts and attention you might go out for days you might do all sorts of different things and but over this period of time they change and all those little things that they thought were amazing about you they start to maybe um talk about in a in a way that uh, putting you down some of the videos i've done on gaslighting and talk about how they test the water just to check how um, invested you are in the relationship because what they're trying to do is they're trying to take your focus away from you and protecting who you are 
and put their focus, um, the focus onto the relationship and onto them. And so they'll test the water at this point, how, how um, well you uh, respond. Because you might say something and they know they haven't quite idolized you enough, they haven't got you hooked into this relationship. It's when you start protecting the relationship, they know that they've got you hooked in. And that's where the discards come in and they do evaluation, where they're putting the, their little hooks, their put downs and, and things like that. And then they'll take you back to the idealization, that love bombing. And this is fixing you in, this is cementing you in. This is getting all their little tendrils into you and you're going what have i done wrong what have i done wrong and it makes no sense they take you back to the idealization you sigh oh phew okay it wasn't i'm okay it's okay we're all back it's all nice and safe but that time that you're you're there sat on that pedestal that they place you on with these unrealistic expectations of you that gets shorter and shorter and shorter and the devaluation and discards follow shortly and that's the cycle it goes round and round and round until the very last discard. And that is when it's over for them, unless you've managed to walk away. But this is a game and they don't give you the rules. And the aim of the game is to bond you, it's to get you to a point where you're not going to walk away from them because that's their biggest fear. Their biggest fear is abandonment. So they dis they trap you and they wrap you up and tie you up in, in these invisible chains holding you in this relationship where you're able, unable to move away from and unable to escape from. And you end up in a war zone. You end up like a soldier that's gone to war. Only you didn't sign that contract that said you'll put your life on the line for king and country. You were lured in um, with fakery. And the final discard comes when your quality has gone. They've Literally, they are soul suckers and then when you haven't got enough energy you haven't got enough attention for them they discard you they've gone they leave um they don't even that that mask the role that they play at the beginning where they learn so much about you is they create this character the mask is dropped they show you who they really are because it's too much effort to keep playing that game and then they might try a little bit of hoovering. This is where it went really bad for me because I believed the hoovering. So at the beginning of, of the relationship that I had with my ex, I um, saw a lot of red flags and I said, right, that's it, game over. I'm, I'm out of here. I don't, you know, I don't want this relationship. And I was convinced to stay and that I was the only person that ever understood him and he wanted to change his behavior for me. No long, longer wanted to live that life, but I wanted to believe him. And he convinced me that I was the only person that understood him. I was the only person that would be able to help him. And it just sort of went on like that, really. I didn't realize how deep the trauma went. And then I got messages I found within hours him leaving, I was no longer in, he'd blocked me on social media. The only reason I found out was because there was a photo that had been taken with my phone I had no longer had access to. I thought, that's really weird. And then I realized that I'd been blocked. And anyway, this game went on, it was a game. And I don't know to what means, whether he thought that there was more in, more of me to be had and played with. I really, I never understood this. I got messages saying, you shouldn't be doing this, you shouldn't be going through this alone. And I was like, and apparently a friend of mine was talking to somebody really close to me and said, how is she not seeing this? He's sucking her back in. He's, you know, why is he doing, why is she listening? 
I couldn't not hear it. I couldn't hear them. I could only hear him because I was I was vibrating on that level. He was checking in, you know, with me and I shouldn't be going through this alone and he should be there to support me was another one. And I believed it because it was safer. It felt safer being in that abusive relationship than it did being out of it. And there's a really good reason. You know, they have been damaged so badly, but what they do is they hand over their wounds to you. They also, in that sucking out of your soul, they also take you back. They remove all that learning you did from a childhood, all those stages that you went through, whatever it was, those learning stages, they've stripped away from you and they take you back and leave you at a very young age emotionally and this is who you've got running your life so basically I had a three-year-old running my life I might have had a couple I might have had a three-year-old a five-year-old and an eight-year-old but that that was what was going on um, they were making decisions on money they were making decisions on all sorts of things and it was it was as if it was safer in that relationship again I talk about this you know some of this stuff that I talk about is what I experienced and um, and it's probably what the most comments I get is you really get this because and it, I really get it because I really have lived through it and it was painful and I will talk about those emotions and a lot of people don't. Gaslighting is lying. A lot of people have a fez. It doesn't make them narcissists. You know, it's it's understanding emotional abuse and how deep that runs. It literally is like it runs through your veins. So they give you a false sense of security. They, um, I, you know, I experienced hoovering. And then, and as I said, I went through this process of recovery and then I went through the divorce process, which triggered me again. So although I'd done a lot of recovery, I hadn't done enough. And I will talk at the end about, because I've also written a course, oh, I think it's the same course. Yeah, it stops here, it stops now. There's an hour and a half of video to watch, but you can stop and start it. There's an extensive workbook that goes with it. And there's exercises in there. And also there's um, some meditations that go along with it as well. So really, really good healing techniques. What I found was the divorce process triggered me again. What I found was that the whether the solicitor that was being used was enjoying it or not or being manipulated himself I never really understood that because I did speak to him and then all of a sudden his attitude changed um, and I was pointing out that he had a duty of care towards me there was some stuff that happened um, and then I, I, I felt bullied by the letters, the way they were responding. I've done videos on the games that they, they play, you know, like leaving everything until the last minute over on a Friday night at six o'clock. You might get a really triggering emails designed to upset you and hurt you and confuse you. What they're trying to do is bully you into making decisions that might not be for your good. That's what I found during the, uh, I found it re-triggering during the divorce process. So I knew I had more work to do, but I found these three elements that work so well. I just wish I'd had them all together rather than discovering them in different parts. And I'd done a few courses. I'd bought a few courses and been on them, but nobody explained it in this way. In fact, they weren't talking about divorce, they were just talking about um, healing from uh, narcissistic abuse and that sort of recovery. I found these elements that really, really helped me. And one by one, I was like, oh my gosh, 
every time I do this, I don't ruminate as bad or for as long. And then I, I realized that when I did something else, I'll talk about it later, uh, towards the end, uh, um, I will share with you these th three things. So other words that you might hear are alienation, where they keep you from friends and family. They might tell you who you think they are. They're frightened of being unmasked by these people, though they might um, try and make out these people are unhealthy um, and create tension um, because they don't want you to trust these relationships and these people that you've got in your life. Once they've got you hooked, they'll bait you. They use the information they gathered in the idealization stage they want an emotional response. Another one's belittling. So that these are the masked put downs of fake friendliness or advice that you might receive from them. They're, they're, they're words of wisdom. They're designed to make the abuser feel better about themselves, making them feel more knowledgeable. This was something that used to make me laugh when I used to um, receive divorce correspondence because I'd see a word in there and I knew that that word had been specifically put in there so that I'd have to go and look it up because I would have no idea what it was. I, that I got to the point where it used to make me laugh because I knew it was done on purpose. B, B is for blame shifting. So that's a tactic where they disguise what they're doing wrong and they shift the blame onto you. If, it, if you hadn't have done something or said something, if you hadn't gone out with your friends on Saturday night, I wouldn't have had to go on that website chatting to people. You know, that that's the sort of thing. It's your fault because you weren't there for me. You, so C is for circular conversations where these arguments, they just go round and round and round and round and round. It's a bit like word salad as well. So you think that with a circular conversation that you've come to a conclusion. Yes, done it. Right, we're all agreement on this. And then it could be half an hour later, 10 minutes later, you know, a day later, the whole thing comes back up again. And you're, and you're thinking, well, we've already done this. I thought we've already um, come to an understanding. We've already come to a conclusion. We've already made an agreement, you know, and you're now coercive control. I have done a few videos on this. It is a law in the UK. It has been for about, oh gosh, I think it's seven years, coming up for seven years this year. You can find some, in fact, I might put coercive control a link into the, the notes so that you can find um, the details on that. There's a list of different behaviors. This is about persuading somebody to do something that they don't want to do. Uh, and a, a, an easy way of describing it is um, if you think about young boys and girls that don't want to maybe take their clothes off in front of the camera or something like that. And and an adult is um, maybe even pretending to be a child, persuading them this is a really good idea. And it might be that they say, well, you know, so-and-so's doing it. You're not going to look cool if you don't do this. That, that's what coercive control is. It's like there's a consequence for not doing something. And with financial, you're forced into a position where you might be using money uh, that you've saved up or you're using all your wages to pay bills while they're out buying nice things or going to nice places and you're forced into poverty. They might put you in a position where you don't have access to medical services. There's a coercion, it's a forcing of doing something against your will. F, fake tears, it might be crocodile tears and you might have found them crying over a situation. This is to manipulate you and your feelings. I found myself in, actually this has happened a few times to me. Uh, the first time I was really, really young and I had no idea what was going on and somebody else called the abuser out and what he'd done was, I can't remember what the situation was. I think I was 19, 18, 19. We might have broken up. I can't remember. All of a sudden he felt ill and he just fell to the floor. 
and somebody called him out I said oh, I'm gonna um, the, I'll go and get the nurse she lives across the road and he jumped off, up off the floor so, and I've seen it a few times where I, I look at people and I go really it's like an internal thing that says oh that's this doesn't feel genuine in men and women um, you might see them just open one eye to see whether I've seen that a few times to see are you looking at me and I just think oh yeah this is fake this is done to make you feel sorry for them this is their victim you know they they love playing the victim f is also for future faking so that during the idealization stage they found out what's really important to you what you want to do maybe you want to travel maybe you want to live in another country maybe you want to retire at a young age maybe you want to go say whatever it is they'll take um, what they want to do because this is all about them they will take what they want to do and then they'll sprinkle it with stuff that you want to do and then they'll talk about it endlessly so that you um, think this is something that you've created together what they're doing is they're getting you to buy into their future um, and then what happens is when they walk away, they walk away with it and you want to, you're like, oh my God, you've stolen everything. You, you, you need to grieve. I've also got a workbook on that as well, um, meditations. You need to grieve, you need to grieve the person you thought they were because they weren't that person. So you fell in love with a mask, you fell in love with a fake person. So you need to grieve that. And you need to grieve the, the um, present where you are now today because this isn't where you thought you were going to be. You know, you've been standing at that proverbial slot machine, one-armed bandit, pumping in money, which or um, it could have been attention you've been pumping in. Um, it could be your energy. It could be your money. It could be your focus. It could be absolutely everything. It could be your life being put on hold. You've been pumping that into that slot machine, that one-armed bandit, and they've walked away. And you're like, well, what now? This isn't what was promised to me. This wasn't what where I was supposed to be. So you need to grieve that. And then there's this fake future you need to grieve. But there was no future with this person. It was all fake. Gaslighting, again, I've done. In fact, I just did uh, released a video on that, that over the weekend. I'll link that one. That is where they use different terms and phrases. Now, we have to be careful because we, we might unintentionally gaslight people. But it's looking at what's behind the intention of the words, the phrases, so you might recognise them. I did actually address this in the video. If you put in a, a search for phrases of gaslighting, you might recognise that you say some of these things. You might have learnt them if you've had an abusive parent or someone who's used gaslighting as one of their, it is one of their favourite tools anyway, but you might have been brought up in an environment where you were gaslit. So you pick up these phrases anyway. So, you know, as, as a child that's a sponge between the ages of seven sorry birth and seven to eight years old you're taking on everything as the truth and these are these stuff gets ingrained into your psyche um, these terms and words so you might find that these words come out it's knowing what's behind them were you intentionally trying to hurt someone to manipulate someone to coerce them into doing something to try and convince them that they were wrong and you were right even though you know that they were right and you were wrong what's the intention behind that phrase j is for jealousy it might be an emotion that you're not you, you know you've never experienced up until this point all of a sudden you find yourself you're feeling jealous it's it's very different this is a manufactured jealousy in these relationships and it this 
is done on purpose to create an emotion. They love to, uh, with triangulation is, I, I think, and I have done a podcast on this, triangulation is their second favorite tool after gaslighting, where they bring another person in and they might even be fake, they might be made up and they bring this person in and they triangulate you. And I was talking to someone who, I can't remember who that was now, and uh, well, I think it was a client actually, and I was saying to her, it sounds like you're being used in this triangulation to make this other person now, like you were jealous of them. It sounds like the, the roles have been changed. And this is part of the mindfucker in. This is where you go crazy because you don't know what is real and what isn't real. M is for manufactured emotions. These might not be familiar ones that you've experienced before until you've met this person and you might be experiencing this jealousy and rage. And these are manufactured, these situations are created to make you feel insecure, to make you feel jealous. And they use things like blame shifting. So this is your fault. You're like, whoa, hang on a minute. I went out with my friends. You know, this isn't my fault if you can't sit alone, if you don't like yourself that you can't sit on your own and amuse yourself. You know, they might have amused themselves in ways that weren't healthy. And they can be manufactured from, as I said, triangulation. Ghosting's another one. Devaluation, trauma bonding. The abuser is really insecure. And they, as I said, they need to hook you into this relationship because they, their biggest fear is that you're going to abandon them. Mindfuckery, this is where the uh, name of the podcast came from. It's the collision of cognitive dissonance and, and gaslighting. It's that mental confusion, you know, and, and the damage that it does. And, and our bodies know, our mind knows that it's under threat. It's us, we're overriding what we've been told, we're overriding these emotions saying, run away, you know, you've got these fight, flight, fawn, freeze, stress responses to keep you safe and everything's telling you to run away. But the abuser's saying, no, 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 this is your issues from other relationships or you've experienced this before. This isn't anything to do with me and my bad behavior. Me being on that internet dating website or me multi-dating or me cheating on you has nothing to do with trust. Your trust comes, you're going, oh, maybe you're right. Maybe my trust issues come from this relationship and it isn't you and I should trust you. And this is what's going on. So what happens is your brain knows it's actually being traumatized. It closes down. Lots of people come out of these relationships not understanding why they can't think, and they've been tricked. The whole relationship was a game, it was a trick. But what was behind it all was the abuse that was happening. And that was the smoke and mirrors for disguising that abuse. Somebody pointed out to me that every time a person was awful to them and screamed in their face and then charged around with this bullying behavior, um, within the next 24 hours, a gift would appear, some chocolates or something. And they, they, they started to see that pattern. M is also for mirroring. This allows, again, the, uh, the manufacturing of emotions, this relationship where you have so much in common and you shared the same hopes and dreams your soulmates, of course you are, but this is all mirroring. They take your amazing qualities and they they want them for themselves. So they take that on, they put that mask in place and you're actually, in a way, falling in love with yourself. N is for narcissistic rages. This is reaction to a narcissistic injury where their levels of anger go from zero to seven in an instant. So a normal range of anger 
it builds up over time, builds up in stages from zero to seven, but theirs is an instant. And there's two types of rage. There's explosive and passive aggressive. So those explosive rages are aggressive outbursts and they might shout in your face and become very verbal or they might even be physical. Whereas the passive aggressive rages is where they'll withdraw into a sulky silent treatment as a way of punishment. And the rage is usually as a result of childhood trauma or this abandonment wound. Uh, it was the unmet needs of the child that where they're unable to master critical development. O is for objectification. That's a term that's used to describe the way a toxic or abusive person views another. So it might be that they don't call you by a, a name or they use the term his or her. It might be where in families, it, there's a scapegoat and a golden child. They see you as an object. You're not a person. There's no emotion there. P is pathological lying. We all lie. You know, research shows that we all lie. It might be that we protect someone and their feelings. It might be what they're wearing or a new hairstyle. But when somebody is pathologically lying, they do it to gain control over another person. They're lying and wearing a mask during that idealization stage, presenting a false self. They might tell half-truths and they do this in a way that there's a sprinkling of truth. P is also for projection. It's a tactic used to project their unhealed parts. So most people are able to accept that they might be wrong in a situation or recognize that they might have said something and it's unintentionally hurt someone's feelings. And they're able to take responsibility for those actions, for those words. However, emotionally abusive or toxic people can't do that. Instead, they project all their broken and unhealed parts onto you. They can never put themselves in the other person's position is this is always about power and control of your life and they leave you feeling vulnerable you are only responsible for your own healing you're not responsible for theirs there's a lot of people come out of these relationships still wanting and seeing that damaged inner child that they've projected and presented to the world s is for shaming this is an emotion caused by the belief that you're inferior or unworthy. It's a technique used to divert your attention away from their bad behavior and projecting that onto you. And they cause you to believe that you're the problem in order for them to stay in control. It's always a way of hiding their insecurities and pushing the attention onto you when they don't want it. Normally the attention, they want the attention, but this is to get them out of trouble. S is also for silent treatment, which is a passive aggressive form of emotional abuse, a way of showing displeasure or disapproval. So it's a tool used to punish you, bringing up feelings of maybe fear and guilt. I may have um, chosen not to hear you or the walked away when you're talking. They might intentionally withhold attention. Silent treatment is conditional love. It's used to manipulate. You might have experienced this as a child from a parent or caregiver. You might have actually used this technique and you think, oh God, I've actually done the silent treatment. But if you've done it in a way where you've, you know, a situation's got heated and you've had to remove yourself from uh, from that, or it's going round and round in those circular conversations, have you done it in a way of protecting yourself? This is different from silent treatment where it's done to manipulate another person. So again, 
as I said, with the gaslighting, what was the motive behind the, um, with the gaslighting, there were terms, you know, if you think, oh gosh, I've used that term before, what was the motive behind it? It's the same with silent treatment. Did you do this to protect yourself? Remember, we've got four stress responses, which are fight, flight. Fight is, have I got enough energy and power behind me to stay and fight this person? Can I get away easily from this situation? Can I run out of harm's way? And it might be that the silent treatment, walking away from a situation, was a, what your um, coping mechanisms. So was it done to manipulate? Was it done to take over the power and control of another person? Another S is smear campaign. And the definition of a smear campaign is a, a plan to discredit a public figure by making false accusations. So take out the public figure and replace it with your name. I hear this a lot. A lot of people come into uh, my group, The Divorce Sanctuary, and this is what's going on for them. Smear campaigns are designed to ensure that the abuser looks like the victim. So they create stories about the terrible things that allegedly you've done or said. They want to punish you and they can't take responsibility for what they've done. This is all your fault. And usually once those words have come out of their mouth, they are able to change everything. So they change the whole storyline and they then believe it. It becomes their truth. It might have started before the final discard. You might They might have started this um, smear campaign where they've involved mutual friends or members of your family, even your children. And they start to discredit you and tell people what's going on or making up these lies about what's going on and protecting themselves so when they do walk away people can say you know I completely get it you were I saw you you were in pain or whatever it is that you know they're portraying you know you you're going to be so much healthier out of this relationship and it was lies everything that they were doing to you they're now claiming that they you were doing it to them I've had so many messages because I've done a few videos on on this particularly with divorce and with the smear campaign where I say, turn it around. Somebody said this to me right at the beginning of my divorce process, everything that he's claiming that you've done, it, it, turn it around, it will be everything that he's done to you. And I, and I got the list of the reasons for divorce and I think four out of five were exactly that. The smear campaign is everything flipped and you need to, emotionally divorcing means that you, as I say, it's life-changing because it means you step back and go, that's your, that's your crap you keep it. I'm not taking any more of your rubbish. I'm not clearing up your mess anymore. They're looking for a reaction. This is majority of time they want you to react so that they can turn around and say, look, 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 I told you she was crazy. I told you he was aggressive. I told you. And this is them pushing your buttons and confusing you to a point where you react. T is for triangulation. I've covered that on a few others. So um, B is for victim. And this isn't all of them from the book. This is just a selection that I just went through and grabbed a, grabbed a few. So V is for victim. So the definition of a victim is a person harmed, injured or killed as a result of a crime, accident or other event or action. Coming out of these emotionally abusive relationships, you would be the victim, but it's the abuser that's claiming that they are. And they lead everybody to believe that you were the abuser. And during this devaluation stage, you lost your self-esteem. When they were triangulating you, you begin to believe that you're not good enough. You saw the red flags, you, you know, you very possibly saw the red flags. I did, I tried to get out, but I then got sucked back in. 
with the, oh, I want to change. I've never wanted to do this for anybody else. And I then got so invested in helping this person that I didn't even know who I was at the end of the relationship. You know, I said, I, I stood and looked in the mirror. And this is all done during the idealization stage. They're stripping you back, stripping you of your self-esteem. You're left believing this is all your fault, that you are the abuser. You might even have questions whether am I the narcissist? I think I've done a video on that as well. You know, because a lot of people come out of these relationships believing it's them. And this is why W is for word salad. And this is, I touched on this when I was talking about circular conversations. It's a form of communication that doesn't make sense and it doesn't go anywhere. It's done in various ways. It could be a combination of circular conversations or projecting or blame shifting. And they just throw loads of words at you to the point that you can't take on this information. You're confused anyway. Mind is shut down to protect itself from the abuse and they're just throwing this stuff at you and none of it makes sense. And this is all done, to, as I said, to confuse you. It's, again, this is all about power and control. It's about having the upper hand in this conversation. They don't want you to understand it because in an attempt to understand it, you might understand what's going on. They want to confuse you. In that place, they can manipulate you. Another W is walking on eggshells. And this is a term that describes the way you behave around an abusive person. So it might be you don't want them to go into a narcissistic rage. So you might tiptoe around a subject. You might pick up that people are about to say something. You might feel like hairs on the back of your neck rise when they're talking to someone and you think, oh my gosh, this conversation is going to flip and they're, they're going to rage in a minute. It might be around children. It might be other people that are close to you and you do everything. You walk on eggshells and you might calm down the situation. This is fawning. This is praising them. You might go into that fawning stress response. Any abuse is horrific, but emotional abuse is very silent. And it usually isn't until you get to the end of a relationship that you actually understand what's happening. You might live in an unknown fear, jumping at the slightest sound, you're anticipating their needs. You can feel the change in an atmosphere. You might have actually learned this at a very young age, particularly if you were the scapegoat. As I said, I was a shell. I'd lost everything. I was broke and broken. And I was stuck in this cycle of questioning. So if only I'd done, if only I'd said, maybe if I'd done, maybe if I hadn't done, and I believe this was all my fault. And it was part of this was I had to heal the trauma bonds, but I then went deeper. A lot of the work I've been doing over the last 10 years has been around the original wound, where it all started. So when I experienced this, it sort of made sense that uh, the, with what I was doing and going and looking deeper at what had happened um, to lead up to the fact that I was in this relationship. It was one statement that somebody said to me and they said, I can't believe you can't see this is abuse. And, and this was, I think, when a, um, a chunk of hoovering was going on. I didn't understand why I didn't see it as abusive. 
and that's where I went to explore afterwards. So the three things, I, as I said, I've, I've got a workbook and a 90 minute video that accompanies it and, and meditations that go with it. It's called, um, it stops here, it stops now. It's the three things I wish that I had had together and it's grounding. I realized when I was doing a lot of meditation and journaling, when I was grounded, when I was in that state, when I got caught up in the ruminations, when the letters arrived or emails arrived, and they were designed to trigger me. I didn't last very long in that state. I, I was coming out really quickly and it was the first thing I noticed. The next one was honest conversations. I noticed that, and this was a few months later, when I had really honest conversations with myself as to why I wanted to reach out, why I wanted that attention, who was asking for that attention, I was able to move on a lot quicker. Breathing was, uh, was another one. I, and I was box breathing. And I found that I was able to breathe my way out of situation. And because of some of these techniques during that time, I was actually called bipolar and it took me six years to realize that, yeah, I probably have got mental health issues. And you know, I'm sure we're all on that spectrum. Um, I would never have classed myself as bipolar, but what I was trying to do was not react. I was trying to um, be in control of my emotions. I was trying not to have that reaction that was being uh, presented to me with the facts and, and the way that my ex-husband was behaving in certain ways. But he did turn around and say, we believe, that's what he used the term, we believe that you're bipolar. And I think something had happened and I was about to get really upset and angry and I breathe my way through it. We believe you're bipolar because you, of the way you do this. And I still used to play this this over and over and over. So it was a trauma that ex I was experiencing. It was a flashback that I was experiencing. And then one day I was thinking about it and I was thinking, hang on a minute. Most of our relationship was a lie. Most of the stuff that he told me was a lie. Um, why am I holding on to this thought? and poof it went just like that so i will put lots of different links in to the description box this is a tiny tiny element but there were so many letters that i missed out it was a tiny element of what's in the book the a to z but this is how it happened this is how i, I came to write this book um, part of my story i've tried to not talk about uh, for a long period of time uh, I talk about my emotions and what I experienced. And as I said, pe the people that reach out to me say, you told me this was gonna happen and it did. I want to be honest with people, you can heal. I promise you, you can heal if you uh, want to heal. Um, you don't want to use this as your crutch and lead with your wound. This is a chance to heal. And those three things, the grounding, the breathing, and the honest conversations, honestly talking to who it was and finding out who they were, how old they were, and what they needed. It literally changed the way my healing progressed and it went, it was so rapid. And the other one was taking responsibility, taking responsibility for the fact that I saw those red flags and did nothing about it. So I needed to track down why and taking responsibility for my healing and wanting to never ever repeat this again. So I have become a bit of a emotional abuse warrior. You know, I was on Instagram the other day and somebody 
put up a quote. It was what I used to say right at the beginning of my videos, um, my knowledge is power videos, a section that I did in at the early part of 2019. And they said it was unknown. So, and I used to open them up as I did with this podcast, unless you're a survivor of emotional abuse, you have no idea what it's like to have conversations in your head with a person you are no longer in contact with. And that was the questioning, maybe, if only, and and it said unknown, and I put on a I put on there. That was me. I said that. That was my quote. I have just become this little bit of a, a warrior, and um, I want to help as many people as I can heal from this because you can do it. I promise you. Promise you, you can do it. It's just having what works for you. So in all of my little courses that I'm putting together for you, I've put other elements in there. So because what works for me might not work for you. So I've done variations. So you might find that there are five things, so you, you know, and you only need three of them or two of them, or it's the one thing that you get from that course. It's so worth listening to some of these um, videos. You know, you, if you intuitively know you're watching or listening to something to hear an element, You'll, the rest of it you'll tune out. That is what I needed to hear. That's all I needed to hear. I hope this has been useful and it's going to help you and give you the passion and the confidence to, to start your healing journey or to finish it. I'm sending you loads and loads of love until next time.